So we've got the sandbox, got the sand, we've got the toys. We need the kits. We need some people to come and play in our sandbox. Welcome back to the For Us podcast. For Us is an acronym that stands for free, open, real-time, ubiquitous, and secure. A blockchain-based platform we have developed with a single purpose, to spread prosperity. Amidst the global pandemic, For Us is positioned to secure funding and provide relief for those most affected. Join us in season two as we gear up to sandbox the technology, sharing our progress as we go, and discussing the outcomes of this unique model. On this podcast, you will hear key insights from global visionaries and leaders, and interviews with those at the forefront of the pending economic pandemic. The discussion is open, the floor is ours, and as the brand suggests, this is for us. So join us. This is the democratization of capital. All right, Shane, big capital letters, something cool. What the world needs now is a new public utility for a post-pandemic world. Indeed. Uh, I think that living in a post-pandemic world, the whole thing has made people realize that we're part of a community. And all of the things that capitalism and the selfishness, the things you can build around yourself, that money can buy you, are meaningless when you have a, a pandemic like this. Mm. It's about the people, community, you know. And, um, you know, it's amazing and how events like this can uh, can provide that opportunity, can change the mindset. And uh, it's been amazing watching people that we've been working with for months, working with people who have like got set ideas on what's possible and you know what innovation is possible and uh, what needs to be done incrementally. And like everybody's perception has just changed completely. Yeah, people who are closed are now open, and um, I guess. Those are the, the gifts of something like this. And, you know, as bad as the situation is, one needs to find the good that, that you can in this. And I think we've only actually just uncovered the, the start of it because um, I believe we're going to see a massive, massive lot of consequences on the f- in, in finance and banking space yeah, um, no, that are going to challenge a lot of the old perceived uh, ideas of what makes sense you know, people forget that banking and finance is just a set of rules. You know, you play Monopoly, there's a, a, a set of rules. And what makes the game interesting and fair is that it's one set of rules that applies to everybody. Yeah. And um, the rules of finance, the rules of business, the rules that determined what gets made out, gets made, who, you know, gets distributed. It's all based around a capitalistic model. Which is just not going to fly after this well it comes back the thing is it's never actually yeah flow but more so now (laughs) well now it exposes it because now it's life and death you see Mm -hmm. where before it was just poverty now now um, there's a lot more at stake for sure i mean uh, uh, who would have thought in america the consequence of having such low interest rates was that corporates would borrow money and do share buybacks so it's a no-brainer. You miss making money. I mean, it's like, it was like, honestly, it was like just a no-brainer. I mean, just made money. So what happened was then people take advantage of it. And as a result, now you have companies that are collapsing because they don't have working capital. They took all the money and paid it out to shareholders, did share buybacks, um, because they just borrowed money that they needed because it was free. 
And that's the thing is that you see it always gets to excess and then it collapses. And the, the, the capitalistic system, the way it's designed, it's an inevitable, it's a mathematical inevitability that it's going to collapse every four to seven years. And yet we accept it, you know. Yeah, we were saying like that things are, are really, really going to change, you know, as we start integrating ourselves back into society, we're going to see more and more need for for things like this. But I think the big challenge right now is that no one can predict the future. No one knows exactly what's going to happen with right. certain industries and certain businesses. And and I think that's what we sort of need to like, prepare ourselves for. Absolutely. Um, I think that there are some things though that are predictable. And there's certain things where old intervention up front will save a lot of money and um, and heartache. I think that's the the other opportunity here is um, we need scale. We, we're a country now with 22 million social grant recipients. I think there are only 12 million people who work. We need new models. We need new ways of doing things because the old ways resulting in a growing increase in the poverty levels. And now with this um, pandemic, just pushed us 10 years down the line in, it was, where was I reading? They were saying that um, in the Great Depression, you know, because that's what they're comparing it to. um, It took four years to get to the levels of unemployment that um, America got to in eight weeks. How's that all going to unfold? They're a major trading partner. For me, it's about utilizing this opportunity to um, implement technology. You know, there was once a company I was working uh, with and I was pitching them on an innovation, but they'd spent a lot of money on old technology. But then someone made the, the decision in the organization to say, you know what, let's cut our losses. The stuff that we spent all the money on isn't working. And what Sonny and his team has is, let's go with that. It's one of the few times in my career where I've seen that actually happen. Because so often what happens is people just keep spending money on the old stuff because they have um, sunk costs. Yeah. <coughs> and they just spend so much money, you know, they want to see it through to the end, even if it's not going to work. And, and I think that's where a, a pandemic like this also makes people reevaluate that. I mean, who would have thought that the Salakwin government can pull 800 billion out of there? We had no money to pay, you know, recapitalize Eskom. All of a sudden, we've got 800 billion. Mm-hmm. I'd, we'd, we'd been having this podcast discussion two months ago. Um, or if I'd said to you, you know, South Africa is looking a little stressed. I think everybody should take a month's holiday, but the whole country at the same time. Yeah, close all the shops. Yeah, yeah, close all the shops, no traffic, you know, we just, no pollution. Just, you know, have a reset and then we'll ease into it. Or you will like, oh, are you crazy? Mm-hmm. So, yes, you know, these are the things that, that, that change. But being a systems person my whole life and understanding building systems and putting them together, my my career opportunities have really been transitioning industries into new technology paradigms. Yes. Because what happens is just people who are using the old tools um, often just don't want to make the transition. A lot of the companies just couldn't make a transition to the new technology. They're so set in their ways and they become so good at certain innovation um, or so good at certain things that they think it's okay to just get better and better at the same thing, but the you know the, the cheese has moved, and um, it doesn't matter how good you are at that, nobody wants it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit like um, Henry Ford who said if he'd asked his customers what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. 
Um, so there are a lot of people who are in industries where they, this is the way they know how to do it. Um, they've done it that way since they started in the industry 25, 30 years ago. And if you have a look at banks, boards, and these companies, they don't have young innovators making decisions. And then people who um, on Twitter and Facebook, and no, it's, it's all um, you know, people who have been in the game for years and have actually lost touch with what's going on with with the tools and the, um, I mean we we had it we had it lots when we were running our marketing company visual affair for the the student marketing a lot of these guys making decisions on what students wanted were in their 50s 60s yeah. talking brands and really missing the mark a lot of the time you know so um it's it is it is a season for change having said that What's so exciting about this opportunity now and the process that we're going to be rolling out, the sandbox, although you want change and you want innovation, um, what you need to do is when you're dealing with things as sensitive as financial systems, you need an environment to test it in, to, to prove that there are no risks, to eliminate and mitigate and measure and make sure that this innovative product or service that you're launching is not going to have unintended consequences that are negative. The one thing when it comes to banking and money, and this is a very important thing to understand, bankers have this, this reputation of always saying no. But at the end of the day, the golden rule of banking is you can't lose money, right? Forget about whose it is, depositors, we can, to the, it, we can get into the, the various um, philosophical discussion about banking. But at the end of the day, bankers are lending out money that's not their own. You can't lose other people's money. And if you're losing money, you're going to go out of business. It's not sustainable. So a bank doesn't have to make a whole bunch. But what it, the one thing it can't do is it can't lose capital. And that's a very important principle. You can't lose capital. We, one has to structure things in such a way where you manage that downside risk. And that's what makes rich people rich and hedge funds so successful. Everybody's managing their downside. And that's a clever way to do investing. Mm-hmm. So... It's time to bring some of the principles that are used in more sophisticated environments into banking for the man on the street, financing products for the man on the street. If you think about it, banking and banking services and lending, it hasn't changed over the years. You know, From like the 40s, 50s. Yeah, you know, micro-lending was you know, the big innovation, and look how that's been a cancer in society. Yeah. There's no innovation in the finance space. There's nobody who's driving it. There's a, it's a model that... It's worked for a certain part of this, the market for a certain period of time and they've got their, their game figured out uh, and you know whatever happens, they don't lose. It's not serving anyone except themselves. Well, I think that's it. You know, it's, it's not serving the majority. It's, it's the, the, the unserved market as a result is just massive. So it's time to make that change. And But you want to do it in an environment of a sandbox. You want to do it in an environment where you do it responsibly. I this think, the, um, just sorry to interrupt you there for a sec, just for the benefit of everyone, can you just explain what a sandbox is? Yes, what you need to do is you need to go to a nursery school. Have you been mm-hmm. to a nursery school before? Once or twice. Okay. So we, 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 we would call it a sand pit, right? Mm-hmm. But in America, it's called a sandbox. It's a box with sand in it. And what's so cool about a sandbox is this. Kids can play all day. What you do then at the end of the day is you take all the toys out, bring out the rake, and tomorrow you come back and you can do it all again. Sure. So that's what a sandbox is. Is a sandbox is an environment where you can test something. The consequences are contained within the sandbox. 
That's the whole thing. The kids can make as much mess as they want. Get as much sand on themselves. But the sand doesn't go out the sandbox. So that's what a sandbox is. It's a, it's, I'm actually not sure where the, the original concept comes from. Um, having been in the software industry for most of my career, a software sandbox is a test environment. Yes. So if you um, do business with credit card processes, etc., and you do the integration to their systems, they'll give you a sandbox where you can test with dummy cards and it'll simulate a real environment and you can actually establish that everything works as it should. Before um, you go live. You, yeah, before you go live. So it, you, you put in the test parameters, you'd have to get a certain answer out and, and then you go live. Um, and then there's a process of managing the risk as you go live and then until you. So because payments is, is such a ubiquitous um, business, it's um, you quite, it's very difficult to ring fence and test payments on any significant level. You need a big sandbox. So there are a couple of elements to the sandbox process that we're going to be going through now with our ecosystem, with our partners. The one is sandboxing our processes, getting everything set up as we go to market and roll out a platform that's been 10 years in the making. So we now need a process to manage that. Tying that in with um, a sandbox process that's being run by, um, um, yeah, let me show you the website. Yeah, what's it? Um, so the organization is called the IFWG. Now, I just know you're going to ask me what that stands for. I'm sure I can find it here quick. So um, this is something that um, was launched about two weeks ago. Um, coincidentally, the timing on this is absolutely amazing. The Intergovernmental FinTech Working Group. Exactly right. Innovation Hub. Yeah. So what they've done is um, they've created a regulatory sandbox. Yes. So um, then they say it uh, best. Let me just um, read what they say over here. Uh, we exist to provide a space for safe experimentation. Innovation means pushing boundaries. The regulatory sandbox provides market innovators that's us, with an opportunity to test new products and services that push the boundaries of existing regulation, all under the responsible supervision of relevant regulators. So what you've got to do is you've got to apply um, to be part of the first cohort, mm -hmm. um, which uh, remains open until the 15th of May. Um, and then they... Uh, um, accepted applicants will be informed by uh, early June and testing is expected to start on the 1st of July. And um, if you if you have a look at um, who they recommend um, should apply, um, the, the criteria are as follows. The innovation to be tested must be intended for deployment in the South African market. Check. The innovation to be tested must not clearly fit within the existing regulatory framework or it challenges the existing regulatory framework. And certainly um, there are a whole number of areas where um, the cryptocurrency, digital bond, digital currency, um, these are all areas that um, sit in between a current regulation. Mm -hmm. And the Reserve Bank has maintained all along, and this is how they sort of evolved into this position, that they would... They would let the regulation follow the, the innovation sure. um, because otherwise you stifle innovation. Yeah, it's a, it's a good way to, to do it. Absolutely. Mm. 
Um, the other criteria is that the innovation must be beneficial to consumers or the market at large. Um, it should lower prices, increase competition, improve access to financial inclusion. And I think... Um, so, th- I mean, this is basically the for us mantra. You know, uh, the innovation must be significantly different from other offerings in the market. And I think we tick that. And must be ready to be tested, including fully developed technology, tech, sufficient funding to cover um, the full testing period, um, and secured partnerships if required for testing. Um, so, you know, the regulators involved, it's the Financial Intelligence Center, it's the Financial Sector Conduct Authority, it's the National Credit Regulator, it's National Treasury, um, it's SARS, and it's the South African Reserve Bank. So, so everyone. Yes, and and yes, and so so what we're doing is we're reaching out to our partners and we're saying, right, we've got this um, innovative solution that's going to work for everybody. Let's all go through this process and let's through this mechanism, let's make it a transparent, open process um, where we can um, get everybody involved, make sure that at the end of the day we have a public utility blockchain that works for everybody where no one's excluded where access is open to everybody that's managed to provide secure real-time settlement for digital money it's such a requirement for so many different things and then what we've done is we've pulled in our ecosystem and we're working with a couple of key partners to uh, pilot this with us because you know you can't do this in theory so we're putting together you know something amazing and uh, we're going to be unpacking it over this series um, of um, of podcasts and um, we're going to be talking to experts in various aspects of this that are relevant um, we're going to be tuning into experts um, around the world um, from various organizations uh, who have um, you know input to give into this? But that's great. I mean, we got a little bit of good news this evening, didn't we? Are we allowed to say anything about about that? Just you know, yet? I think that history has taught me that um, certain things. I better left unsaid until. Yeah, um, you've taken care of all the paperwork. Yeah, but sure. I, I think, I think what we can what we can categorically say is we have all the right partners to to um, do the sandbox testing and. So now's the time to do it. You know, I've been working on this thing for 10 years. The market's converged. The need is here. We're addressing um, things that when you talk about unique that nobody else, we're fixing real, real problems. And the time for talking about it is over. We've got a sandbox ready to go. So what's the one thing you need um, that's missing? So we've got the sandbox, got the sand, we've got the toys. We need the kids. We need some people to come and play in our sandbox. And um, they say it's a six-month process, but they also said on the call um, that they had uh, last week um, with you know doing an FAQ and, and et cetera mm-hmm. on the process. They're saying it doesn't have to take six months, um, but um, it should take no longer than six months. I think the elements and aspects of this um, that won't require six months of testing um, and it's going to be very, very, an amazing process. What they're saying is that 
for six months, you basically, you get, it's like immunity. So for six months, um, you get exemption from the legislation. The process will be such that you'll have an advisor who will you know, be in regular contact, daily contact. They'll be then in contact with the regulators and it'll be a combination of you know, f- fixing your process or, or software or whatever, or mitigating a risk or adding a process, or it may m- require changing the legislation. And so that it works both ways. Yeah, absolutely. Because one needs to come up with the right answer. We're talking about using technology that you know has been invented in the last 10, 15 years. Most of the banking technology is 50 years old. Mm-hmm. When yeah, I say most of the technology, yeah, when I say, you know, I'm not saying that all the computers are that old. and No, but the point is that the credit card, if you've got a card on you, is your wallet. Not that. Yeah. It's the same technology from 1956. Mm-hmm. You still have a, a device thing where you put your bank, your account number on it and you give it out to people. I mean, you know. Predates, predates the internet. Predates the internet. It's madness. It's madness. It's madness. It's unsustainable. And that technology needs to be replaced. You know, at some point, you know, you've got to let that horse go and you've got to start looking at engines, you know. But with, with something as substantial as, as this, it's such a nightmare to change. I feel now for Elon Musk, right? Well, you know what the hardest part of the electric car is? It's all the infrastructure that's around to support petrol cars, mm-hmm. petrol stations, service centers. I mean, you're talking about hundreds of billions, trillions of dollars of invested infrastructure in an old system. Mm. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, if there were no cars, they'd all be electric. You know, if we st- if we, it was invented today and there was the, this or that, you know, it'd be a clear winner. So it's, it is exceptionally difficult to... Um, bring technical innovation into an environment that is such ubiquitous market share. I mean, but not only that, like such huge upside for the one percenters and the guys that are, you know, that are benefiting big from it. I think that's that's anybody. I'm not going to apologize for capitalism, mm-hmm. right? The excesses of it. It's a it's a system that needs to be improved, needs to be updated. The problem was that we put profits before everything. And that's certainly the culture in America. And you can see what's happening now with Corona and the, the fight that's going on there. And at the end of the day, profits must come after people. Yes. Um, and, but the system is designed in such a way that it's not the case. And um, as a result, feeds on itself. And we have these things where we go bust every time. The same guys get off. I mean, the bankers all got their money first. Um, we just got to stop it now. We've got to change the paradigm. We have the technology, um, we have the ecosystem, and now we have the sandbox. And um, and now everybody needs to come and play because what I've always seen when it comes to changing a paradigm in an industry, when I took the retail industry from DOS, which was ubiquitous, I mean, mm-hmm. every tool um, out there um, that you saw at the supermarket center was running um, Microsoft DOS. You know, and the world was going Windows, and everyone else was at Windows, but the retailers were still at DOS because um, they make the assets right. Um, and then taking a whole, the whole point, point of the industry and migrating it from a text-based DOS environment into Windows. What I did was I, I bought some 
DOS-based companies and I developed some Windows technology and then I, I gave people a way to sort of work, walk on both rails and then you've, you know, slowly, slowly this yeah. gets better and better and then you, that one falls away. <coughs> and certainly when it comes down to finance and the world of finance and payments and we have to do the same thing. We've created a completely new set of rails, integrated it into as many points in the old rails um, that one possibly can and run the two together. This is far superior. Uh, and what will happen over time is um, people will migrate across. Um, and what we've done is we've taken advantage of some of the te technological innovation to change the system rules because we have the technology to do it. So, for example, monthly interest made sense in the environment where uh, people are doing batch processing, you have your monthly processes and but now with real-time computing, why should we have this monthly interest thing? We don't need it. We can take a profit out of every transaction. So mm -hmm. before, maybe if people had had that option, they would have gone for that. Sure. But they went with what was best at the time. So what we've got now is the opportunity to do things that are just smarter, more efficient, save the ecosystem money and you know when you do that then um you know when, when you do that then then you win then you win absolutely okay so i just wanted to close off by saying um carrying on from what you were saying um this podcast is going to be daily mm -hmm. we're going to keep moving forward um as we progress you know so talking about what's happening on the daily roundups um at the beginning of every episode about what happened that day and where we are and what's happening and then we can talk on other topics interviews with the tech guys um, interviews with all the social guys the guys doing all the work on the front lines for us and whoever else wants to join and whoever else we can think of no absolutely and i think that we there's a lot of international experts um who um you know can talk about what it is we're doing because what we're doing is world it's cutting edge absolutely. leading the world China now is busy with their um, blockchain, and they they've also partnered. You know, um, I was talking to somebody who's a, like a public private. Yeah, public private. Sorry, mm -hmm. yeah. I was talking to somebody in government, a government advisor today, and um, and they were saying, oh, you know, even China did a, a, a partnership. The old way would be for the Reserve Bank to then go into technology. And I said the Reserve Bank has no more business being in the technology game than the banks do. Let them stick to what they do. Let the banks stick to what they do. And let fintech companies provide the technology solutions. Um, you can't do it in-house. It doesn't work. And you've got to have a platform. It's got to be an open platform where all technolo technological innovation can come in play. So mm -hmm. Um, I'm very excited about the way it's emerging. I'm very excited way, about the way the market's maturing, where things are moving to, and um, very excited about this process. Uh, um, I promise not to say the word excited again. I'm sure you're excited <laughs> I know, about that. Uh, uh, we, <laughs> we're all extremely excited. Um, yeah, particularly after being locked down. Um, we, we, you know, we, we got the opportunity to get a deep understanding of some of the challenges facing the country with grants and grant recipients and the vulnerable people. And, you know, there, there was a need for this that drove me um, every day um, because of, of, you know, 20 million people living below the poverty line. Now it's going to be 30 million. So um, let's get this done and let's... Um, let's do it, eh? Let's do it. For sure.
Okay, and then lastly, what I want to do is um, have a Q&A session every episode as well. Even if it's just two or three questions, I'm going to open up our questions line on um, all the podcast apps. If you go into any of um, wherever you listen to your podcast, if it's iTunes, Spotify, whatever, in the description of each episode, you'll see there's a link. If you click the link, um, you can literally record a, uh, a question and then we'll get it. We can either play it live on the podcast and then we can answer it. Alternatively, um, we have our Twitter account, which is just at For Us Digital. Ask us any question there with the hashtag For Us Podcast and we'll answer those questions. Yeah, um, I already got a few responses on Facebook from people looking at the thing saying, I've got so many questions, how can, you know. Right, yeah. So, um, you know, we really want to make this an open discussion and transparent for everyone. Yeah, you know. And, you, you know, I've been writing reports, doing presentations and whatnot for the last 10 years, position papers, you mm-hmm. name it. Um, what's really nice about this medium is it can be more uh, immediate and um you know, we, we can't write tunes now. Now we need fast action. It needs to be a concise communication mm-hmm. and we need to get the bigger ecosystem involved in this. So uh, I'm really looking forward to to that um, and opening it up and, and, and sharing with everybody what everybody else is doing. Um, I think it's going to be, uh, yeah, cool. dare I say, exciting. <laughs> exciting. <laughs> okay, cool. Fantastic. Fantastic.